Hello and welcome to the first episode of the UC Architects, a bi-weekly Microsoft Unified Communications podcast centered around Exchange and Link Server. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Goodman, and this week I'm joined by fellow co-hosts Dave Stork, Michael Van Horenbeek, John A. Cook, and Sirkan Warilu. Today we're going to be talking mostly Exchange, but in future episodes you'll also get to hear from the rest of the team, including Link MVPs Tamar Buthnot and Stoel Hansen, Exchange MVPs Pat Richard, Johan Fieldhouse, and Mahud Magdi. And from the wider community, Exchange and Link bloggers, Michael Delroy, Paul Cunningham, and Andrew Price. You'll find more about the team over at theucarchitects.com, so if you don't know the name, you'll probably find you know their blog. In today's show, as I said, we're mostly talking Exchange, including what's worth knowing about Exchange 2010, Service Pack 2, Update Rollup 3, discussing Exchange 15 rumors, and we'll also be talking a little bit about TechEd, and rounding up Exchange and Link News. But first, let me introduce this week's co-host, starting with Dave. Hello, Dave. Hi. Good Hi. evening. So, uh, if people don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I'm, I'm Dave, uh, 35 years old, uh, IT pro from uh, the Netherlands, uh, well, currently uh, 10 years uh, in the business, and uh, for my company, I'm the, the go-to guy for uh, all exchange-related stuff. Uh, currently, uh, we are working on several European um, tenders, and uh, I'm providing the exchange uh, architecture and um, the Active Directory architecture. So do you do a lot of exchange migrations, upgrades, and things like that? Oh, yeah, almost continuously. Although uh, my work focused now more the, the architecture side and, and less uh, behind really behind the buttons. So uh, I do uh, do some uh, troubleshooting, but uh, most of the legwork is done by uh, junior technical specialists. And you blog as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah, sure, uh, on, on their team. Well, the URL is, uh, uh, can be found on the uh, ucarchitects.com website. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've done it for, for several years now. So. And over to John. Hello, John. Hello. Thanks for having me join this illustrious group. So, John, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is John Cook. I live in, uh, I think I'm the only U.S. citizen representing on that call today. So, uh, I'm in Chicago, um, which is in the center of the United States, if you don't know what the impact of the United States. Um, I've been, you know, professional consultant, uh, pretty much independent, uh, contractor type for about 15 years, mostly with Exchange. But increasingly link. Um, and then, you know, anything Microsoft, you know, UC stack or AD migrations, that sort of thing. Um, I'm not going to say how old I am, but I'm older. <laughs> and, uh, no, I'm 41. And, uh, oh, that's, uh, not that's not too bad. I know, it's funny. You, you, you realize that you think everyone's young, younger than you, but you realize that, that not, not, you know, some guys are definitely older. Um, well, what's that point when you realize you're getting old? <laughs> Thirty yeah, is when I thought I was getting old. Well, I mean, when you look at your resume and you look back and you're like, man, I, I've, been, I've been doing this a while. <laughs> and if you can remember, you know, uh, the, uh, the the ROM uh, code for debug for an adapter controller back in the you know RLL days, then you know you're really old. <laughs> yeah, I think you're old. Yeah. Yeah. No and then if you still can remember it, then then uh, <laughs> then, then you really got a problem. 
Uh, yeah, like I said, so I, I've got a, a change of MCM in um, uh, change of 7 um, I've been to the Wink MCM uh, rotation last year. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, I, you know, I know that program pretty well, and um, I try to keep you know, current, generally. And, well, I, I always follow your blog for most of my exchange and link news. Uh, so if people don't know it, do you want to give us the URL? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's on the WordPress. It's JohnnyCook, uh, uh, JohnnyCook.wordpress.com. Um, and, uh, and like I said, more, and if you look at it, most of it is I very rarely ever put any of my own original content. I kind of just, you know, so you, I use it more of like a bookmark of stuff that I come across on Twitter. You guys post, or people post, um, or things that I want to reference for later so I don't forget it. So I kind of use it more, more as that. That's why it's always being updated because, you know, depending on what I'm doing, I'm always just kind of throwing things up there so I don't forget it because that's the one problem about for me getting old is that I forget everything. <laughs> <laughs> so if I don't put it in one place, you know, sort of written down, it's, it's going to get lost. No, actually, you saved me from having about 50 different feeds in Google Reader. I just uh, follow your blog. <laughs> well, and that's sort of the thing. It's, it's sort of like, you know, my workflow has changed. It used to be all RSS, right? And and it's a slowly but surely Twitter is kind of replacing that yeah. because you got to figure if you get enough people you're following, at some point they're going to, you know, find something in RSS and they're going to put it up there. And so, you know, uh, but sometimes I go back, you know, once a week I try to go through RSS and um, other stuff I definitely do miss. But, uh yeah, Twitter has been, I, you know, I try to tell people, like, you know, because a lot of people that, that don't use Twitter think it's, like, another Facebook or something or, you know, some Reddit or something. Um, but uh, for me, it's been, it's you know, it's awesome. Like, like I, I know, we all met pretty much on Twitter, right? So. Uh, well, exactly, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's a power of it now, you know. So, Michael. Yes, good afternoon. Hello. Good evening, actually. <laughs> Hello. How are you? So, I'm fine, I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Um, so, um yeah, uh, I'm from Belgium, um, also an IT pro, just as uh, the guys of you. I've been working for about 10 years now, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm one of the youngest guy on the team, um, without being too sure about that. Um, and I mainly work around uh, Exchange, Active Directory. Um, if I get lucky, a bit about Link, uh, Windows Server, especially Windows Server 2012, stuff like that. So, um, and Office 365, of course, because it's the best of both worlds, isn't it? So, oh, definitely. Yeah, I've been pretty much busy with that over the past few months, together with a lot of exchange, uh, which was my first love and will be my last, probably. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, say it. I'd be honest, if I lied, if I didn't love email, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it somehow started all those years back. I think it was back in the days of Exchange 5.5, for me at least. And I always had something like, it's something magical about that product, and I've been attracted to it ever since, and back to, yeah, now Exchange 2010, and, uh, and whatever the future brings us. So, yeah, I'm pretty much in love with it. <laughs> And now it's on record. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, if my wife hears this, she knows it, so <laughs> I don't mind. Well, we are recording this on a Friday night where most of Europe is watching the football, I think. <laughs> so I suppose that says something. Pretty pretty much, I think, that uh, if you take a look at the, no offence, Dave, uh, the Dutch guys, they pretty much go crazy about uh, football. Uh, but it's nice to see. So I think that most of the people are now watching television. I have no idea which match is on. But, okay. okay. Me neither, anyway. So, uh, I didn't know it was on <laughs> until I heard it on the radio. But, oh, okay. Uh, well, <laughs> the, the Dutch are performing very poorly. This, this, it's, uh, no. Next. Okay. 
We're at bottom bottom of so I, I know that we're going to do badly. For us, there is no football season yet because we play different kind of football. And it's not going for a couple months. So. Oh, it's like rugby or something, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Something like that. <laughs> and second. Hey, thanks for having me here, guys. I'm Sarkan, and I'm the Turkish guy. And I'm probably the only one that's blogging in his own language because my blog is completely in Turkish at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm lazy, but you know. No, it's a good thing. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to keep Turkish community aware of exchange. Uh, but I'm currently living in Bermuda and I'm working for independent consulting solutions here as a senior consultant. Uh, my Work is mostly on Exchange, AD, and partially Link now, because most of the clients are, you know, eager to get it now, so I'm working on Link as well. Uh, I have a few Exchange projects coming up, including cross-forced migrations and stuff, and I've been here for a year now, for almost one year. So you guys want to do a whole day? <laughs> I hear a violin playing somewhere. That's so sad. Yeah, just get a plane ticket. <laughs> yeah, so we, we don't need to ask what the weather's like for you. <laughs> it was tipping it down here today. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was rainy here as well, but, you know, uh, I might go for a swim after this. <laughs> oh, it must be tough. <laughs> I just imagine you sitting there in your Bermuda shorts, just relaxing, with the lovely sun. Why don't you rub it in anymore, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, and uh, lastly to me, uh, I'm Steve Goodman. Uh, so I blog at stevieg.org. I work as a technical architect. Uh, I do exchange, a uh, bit of link, uh, quite a bit more now these days of Office 365, uh, and uh, as well some virtualization, so some VMware, uh, a bit more Hyper-V uh, now, uh, which I've got to admit, Hyper-V isn't my first love, but uh, uh, it's, it's definitely getting better. Uh, and, yeah, I try and do as much exchange as possible because, yeah, it's my favorite thing uh, when it comes to IT. So, Sirkan. Uh, Exchange 2010, Service Pack 2, Update Rollup 3 uh, was released not long ago, and it's got a lot of new fixes in it. So do you want to talk to us a little bit more about uh, what our listeners can expect and why they should think about deploying it sooner rather than later? Yeah, sure. About two weeks ago, as you said, Exchange Customer Experience Team released Update Rollup 3 for Service Pack 2. Uh, they listed 44 issues and fixes for them in this roll-up. But before we go into the fi these fixes and talk about them, especially the new two features which everyone is talking about, I would like to mention we need to be aware of a few things before going and installing this roll-up, just like the other roll-ups that has been released since today. Uh, the major prerequisite of this rollup is, of course, Service Pack 2. So, if you have not installed Service Pack 2, 
I wouldn't recommend you start planning for roll-up tree yet because it has its own prerequisites that you need to complete before proceeding and I definitely recommend that you read Service Pack 2 release notes if you haven't installed it yet. Well, come on, everyone's on Service Pack 2 by now, surely, aren't they? Oh, oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I have a situation that uh, that a customer is running uh, Exchange 2007 Service Pack 1. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Hey, well, well I, I can do better, or I think that most of the customers that I know, or that we're migrating from, are actually still running 2003, so... Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but they are migrating, so. Well, um, and I had one issue, uh, we migrated from uh, group-wise uh, where there was no message limit set uh, and we ran in, into an issue that uh, should be fixed here, uh, that's moving mailboxes when uh, you have mail items, attachments that are larger than the maximum message size limit. I remember you tweeting about this, you were pretty pleased, weren't you? Yeah, 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 <laughs> this was a big issue. Because <laughs> Uh, I've, had the, I've had the same issue, not with, uh, with an Exchange 2003 migration a few months ago. Uh, uh, but but it's, it's sort of been a known thing for a while anyway, hasn't it? Uh, going uh, sort of hand in hand with the mailbox size limits themselves. Mm. Yeah. Is, this, is this just uh, group-wise or is any...? No, no, no. Well, it, it was uh, because the organization didn't have any message limits set in group-wise, so that when we migrated, uh, we had sometimes uh, uh, 50 megabytes of, of, of mails or, or even larger. And, so that's uh, an individual 60 megabyte message. Yeah. Uh, so they yeah. might have a quota of you know, one, one gig and 25 megabyte uh, message size limits. And they, so they couldn't... So even they, they one message that's 60 meg in the mailbox, so they're well under their quota limit, it's if they've got that message that was over an individual size limit that they'd have this problem. Well, what the problem was uh, is, is they couldn't delete that uh, item. Uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't move it, and the mailboxes also were, uh, yeah, well, you, you, you ran into trouble when you wanted to move a mailbox to another database or another server or something like that. So that, uh, that fix was one, uh, one fix I was very happy about. Nice. So, okay, guys, back to the prerequisites. <laughs> <laughs> Client access servers, guys. Be gentle with them. Not for Service Pack 2, but for rollups as well. So yeah. if you have client access to client access proxying, yeah. uh, you need to be sure that you are updating your internet-facing ones first. And, yeah. of course, if you have customized your Outlook web app, like some of my friends, clients did, and if you forget to back them up, and run the rollup, they will get overwritten. So be sure that you back up your Outlook web files if you customize them. And one other thing that everyone, I think, we, we are all aware, but it's good to make everyone aware as well, rollup installations. I don't want to say it, but I'll 
go ahead and say it anyway. The setup is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got that. Yeah, creating native images for .NET assemblies. Come on, how long can it take? I've seen cases where they wait two or three hours. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I, I just left, you know, patched all, leave my servers at home, and it took at least an hour per node. It's like, you know, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just open it all for up in your nodes. Yeah, for services playing order. Yeah, and if you have servers that doesn't have internet access, don't even try it uh, because it won't go further. Make sure that you turn off or disable and uh, check for publisher certificate revocation on your Internet Explorer and it will speed it up and it will install it really fast yeah. and it will save you a lot of time. That's been an issue for quite a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, so there was a blog post uh, on the Exchange Team blog about that. Yeah. And they are putting that on the roll-up notes as well now. You can see on the roll-up notes, if you scroll all the way down, where they have this little typo, say, <laughs> you can disable it. <laughs> but don't forget to turn it back on, because you don't want those, you know, fake evil applications to take over your exchange at the end. So those are the points that I would like to mention before we go deep in this roll-up. We are not going to look at every fix anyway, but let's talk a bit about the fixes. As I mentioned, we have 44 fixes listed on this roll-up, and two of these fixes seemed or announced like they are new features, right? And those are RPC client access cross-site connectivity changes and the changes on recoverable items versioning. Uh, if you look at Exchange team blog, you'll see that Ross Smith wrote two great articles. I'm sure you've all seen it. Oh, yeah. And they're pretty nice. I mean, they're long, nice reading as well, and describes everything that's going on on those changes. <coughs> and one of them is, as we said, RPC cross-site connectivity change. Uh, so this was to, to make sure that people know that this only applies really to one main scenario, uh, but there's still yeah. one other scenario that this won't fix things for. Yep, that's true. And actually, this function was in place, but it wasn't working or activated. That's what it was mentioned on the blog post anyway. Uh, well, it was a perfect fix for me because I have a client that was in need for this, and it, we changed the disaster scenario just for this fix. If you want to tell us what happened, what happened before, and what would the end user or Outlook experience be now then? All right, think about a scenario where you have two sites, and your DAG is actually extended to both sites. And quick scenario is your main site goes down, you fail over, you, you make a site fail over to your secondary site, and you have a client access server there as well, and you did set up client access server array on both sites. The issue was your Outlook profile still tried to reach and connect as at the RPC endpoint to the main site client access server array. And you had to either manually change it, uh, or you had to change the IP address of your array so your client can connect to the client access server on your secondary site. This was a problematic issue because it wasn't letting 
Outlook client automatically connect where the mailbox is mounted. Uh, with this roll-up, they changed it. Now, by default, if you install this roll-up, it will get automatically activated. Yeah. And what will happen is, if the failover occurs, happens, and if your secondary site has the mounted database act or active databases, your Outlook client will your Outlook profile will get automatically updated, so you will connect to the client access server on your secondary site. This is a great feature uh, because I'm sure you guys all did disaster scenarios, and we've been doing it here as well. And we've seen this behavior, and we always wanted this feature because it is a pain. You have to either change the IP address, you have to document it, and you need to follow up on it. Right. And uh, TTL, your TTL time. Yeah. And this, this, so this fix, I'm calling it a fix, but, you know, uh, your feature fix, I, I don't know. We will discuss that after this, but uh, they all seem like a fix to me, not a feature. Yeah, so I don't go as far as calling it like a mini service pack, uh, like Tony Redman did. Yeah, well, yeah, I was going to bring that up after this. <laughs> because the second big feature that uh, he mentioned, or the like, the Exchange team mentioned, is the recoverable items versioning, right? They said... Yeah. On this roll-up, they changed it, so there is a new feature. Actually, it's not a feature; it's fixing it <laughs> because it had an excessive growth problem. And on this roll-up, they resolved it as well. Actually, res resolution for this problem started with respect uh, to roll-up two. Yeah. Uh, the scenario explaining this problem is again really simple. And if you look at their blog, they give the same example. And you can reproduce this problem on your environment if you don't have Rollup 3 at the moment. All you got to do is create an appointment with an attachment, save it. Then you open the attachment in that appointment, begin making changes, or just let it sit there on your screen for a while. And it will get auto-saved every couple of minutes. And this will trigger an event called copy on write. And when this event is triggered, it will create more than intended number of copies to be stored on the recoverable items folder. And at the end, a recoverable items folder quota will reach its limit. And that was a major issue because, you know, you fill the quota for the recoverable items and you don't ha have the option to save any more in there. Uh, so those items needed to get hard deleted to open up space. With Rollup 2, so it's back to Rollup 2, uh, they did have a fix, a partial fix for this situation. Exchange was now capable of automatically disabling, for example, calendar logging if the mailbox exceeded recoverable items warning quota, like uh, the example in the example that we gave. But uh, this was not enough, right? You are able to disable calendar logging, but actually it is a feature that you want to keep in most of the scenarios. So they had to come up with another solution on this roll-up, 
And now Exchange Server does understand the difference between operations when you open up that appointment. And it again triggers copy on write action, but only when you save it. So auto saves will not get uh, saved as it used to be. So you, so this problem will not occur uh, after rollup three, and your recoverable items quota will not fill up, which is a great fix. Again, not a feature. Actually, this is a feature, right? But these features features oh, were not working. <laughs> no, they were features, but they weren't activated or they weren't working properly. But now they are. They have fixed it. We have these features now, so we can use them. Yeah. I was, I was just saying, has anyone come across this in production like it's been a big problem or? Well, after seeing this problem here, I. It tries to test it. <laughs> there's, not, there's been some major PSS calls out about it uh, from uh, when they described the, the problem on the Exchange Team blog. Uh, but it's so, not something I've seen. But it, it does sound like something that would be easy to reproduce then. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, did that affect the mailbox scroll, you know, uh, in size inherently, or is it that you'd hit the quota and then um, would it be an error in the client? Uh, it's not your mailbox quota, it's uh, recoverable items quota on the mailbox or the mailbox database. By default, uh, there's this, by default, I think it was 20 gig uh, or something at the moment. And when you reach that limit, you don't get to uh, have recoverable items anymore in your I, I can I imagine that, that if, if you're a company and two or three of your users are doing something like that and you end, end up them using all of their recoverable item storage, then yeah, of course, that's a, that's a major issue. So I'm, I, can, I can imagine that it's a big fix for some companies. I haven't encountered it myself. Uh, I have discussions with customers that not regarding this, this fix bug or what you call it, uh, but that um, they do t tend to uh, have a higher importance of retention, uh, retention uh, items, um, uh, just as like uh, just like shadow copy and something. It's 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 going well. My, my experience is that customers are are actively using it as their part of a disaster recovery uh, or their backup uh, strategy. Um, so uh, when when your your space runs out, yeah, that 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 could be an issue for for uh, really important stuff that you want to uh, recover uh, swiftly, uh, because you obviously always have a backup uh, next to this. Yeah, and I think with dumpster 2.0, it's it's much easier to to sell the idea of using recoverable items. To, yeah, yeah. Uh, and to say, right, you know, this is a, a good reason, an easy way of not having to actually go back and do a database restore and use the the, the big heavy sort of lifting to get exactly. one item back. And yeah. if that's not working, then it's just going to create more work eventually, and it's going to be the wrong time because people won't really understand that that's happened until they're in that situation. Uh, well, in these 44 fixes, I don't know which one you guys like the most, but... I, I already said my favorite one. Although I have to say um, the, the country region uh, is... is, is uh, yeah, that, that made, my, made me smile a bit. 
part of the kingdom of the Netherlands, so that, that yeah, it, it, it made me smile. <laughs> you have issues. <laughs> I, no, I'm, I'm going to ignore that. That stuff is is the most interesting uh, in update rollup three. Uh, I mean, the, the thing it, it doesn't fix is when someone implements uh, a casaray afterwards, which is a separate issue. But it, it sounds a little bit similar to to people because it's both the case of the uh, of the Outlook client not getting that EC wrong server from Exchange when the endpoints change. Uh, so I mean, it'd be nice if there was something that could fix that. But then again, the recommendation for uh, at least the last year has been pretty much always create uh, a casaray. I think Brian Day uh, did a, a really good set of posts where he made it clear that that's the, the best practice for Microsoft as well. Always create a CAS array, uh, even if you've got one exchange server. Yeah, even right, even yeah. Even yeah. if you've got one server, always do yeah. it. So as long as you do that, you're not going to have yeah. that, that issue. Uh, and so I'd say, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big issue generally because, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the, the common mantra with all these years was, you know, DNS was the, you know, pretty much typical fix for the scenario. Yeah. Um, so I actually had a buddy of mine who's got an environment and he um, asked me about it. I'm like, yeah, well, DNS typically. And he's like, did you read the, are you, are you free stuff yet? I'm like, no. And he's like, well, it's <laughs> fixed. I'm like, oh, okay. So the do what they say. That one I said. I, I haven't said anything about the one that I like. It's the this one problem with the synchronization of organizational forms. So I think that's the same one that Tony Redmond mentioned as well, because I've been seeing this forever on my uh, outlook on the sync issues folder. Uh, I don't know if anyone checks it, but I had few clients that are having the same problem as well. So that's a good fix as well. So if you guys having the same error, install it. It fixes it. So really what we are saying is there's every single reason to make sure you are patching your exchange environment. Uh, you know, even if you think everything's okay, there's, there's good reasons to do it because in things like sync issues, there might be errors that your users don't tell you about. Uh, but they're there, and you should be keeping patched. Yeah, yeah okay. I, at, at least uh, read the, the description of the road update and see whether whether a, a, an issue is there uh, is described, uh, so you can can prioritize. Uh, we can, um, well, uh, I tend to uh, wait for f uh, four weeks to uh, install a roll up update in production environments. But yeah, there uh, were a few uh, problems last year with having, yeah. having them pulled and re-released. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but but some some of those fixes can be uh, well uh, very welcome, and you can can uh, install them earlier or something like that. So yeah, well you know, some organization might have a dev and test, but somebody thinks it's so hard to you know mm. full environment. But yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of that way sword, right? You, you definitely want customers to patch as soon as possible, but then you hit issues like you know, like people said, like where something was busted or are you one with the CAS, uh, the 2007 CAS proxy issue, but that was, a, that was a deal breaker for a lot of environments, you know, uh, especially with recently by hybrid stuff. So, yeah. you know, it's, you know, you mind from every kind of thing, uh, you know, that balance of being... Well, that's it. Uh, even if it's just a small test environment, uh, right. it, it's worth having something that reflects the type of environment that you've got, if you've got multiple sites, then you need to have that same sort of thing in a dev environment. And it could be something that's on a, a powerful workstation or, or laptop. It, uh, it doesn't have to be licensed in the same way as well. So it's, it, it's expensive in time to set up, but it's not that expensive in terms of kit and licenses. 
uh, especially as you can use TechNet licensing to or MSDN licensing to, to set these things on your uh, on your own workstation. Yeah, and it's certainly cheaper than taking down the environment because the patch broke something. You know, critical. Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the only problem that you're having is uh, with a test environment on your own workstation, whatever. You don't have the entire same setup, so a lot of the issue, issues you don't see them. Uh, in your lab because you don't have exactly the same setup. You don't run hybrids from your lab either. So if you bring something with a hybrid configuration... to do a demo of Exchange, uh, an Office 365 hybrid, from my laptop at a customer site, including the full hybrid login experience, uh, everything. You, you, I could have done mailbox moves a lot. It was a bit well, tough. <laughs> <laughs> you could have that I mean... But, you could do that. You could you, run an entire hybrid. Uh, you, you definitely can, but uh, it scales, doesn't it? So if you do have a, a very large exchange environment, then the, the chances are you're going to have that budget to, to build a, a better dev environment and have a dedicated dev environment, and you probably already will have that. Uh, but if you've just got uh, one or two exchange servers, then, you, then you're going to be able to build that sort of environment to test on your workstation so you can test these patches before you put them into production and definitely if you've just got one or two exchange servers and you haven't got high availability you really do need to, to test patches out uh, because you, you can put a, a workstation on the network, a laptop on the network test out a few of your different clients but it, even if it's just to get familiarity with the patching process so you know that uh, you've, you've got a stopper forefront and things like that first uh, just so you know what's going to happen so you're familiar with it so you don't get tripped up. Yes, you know, things can always go wrong uh, that you don't see in a dev environment, but it's just less likely to happen, and you're going to be a bit more experienced with it when you come to, to do it in production. Yeah, I mean, and obviously there's environmental things that you won't be able to replicate, like if you had, you know, some kind of journaling or a vaulting thing that, you know, could be impacted, but you really can't, you know, set up Enterprise Vault just for the, for the, the test environment. But well, the environment exactly. they do have that. But, but so some testing that. is better than no testing. Definitely. And the next thing we want to talk about today is who's going to mech? I am. I am. I am. I am. I am. I am. Everyone upset me. Have a good yeah. time, guys. <laughs> That's so all. Has anyone, ever, has anyone ever been to one back, uh, in, the, you know, back in the day when they still do them? No. No. no I, I haven't either. So I think it's a lot of guys that came up kind of, you know, that never went to them that want to go to because, you know, it was a big deal back then. Um, and I don't that's the community that there's kind of, you know, kind of a big push to make sure to try to get a bunch of us, you know, a bunch of us to go, uh, to, you know, show, show the flag sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, I I, uh, I I was allowed to go to Tech at uh, North America, but I uh, chose uh, Mac instead. Well, yeah, and again, in hindsight, now that since there's no, you know, there's really no 15 content at Tech at, uh, this mm -hmm. year, then this is kind of be kind of a big deal. You know, I'm sure they're gonna say. At least some announcements for them, you know, for that for Mac. So, yeah, I yeah. think for Exchange and Link guys like us, it's more uh, it's more interesting to, to think about Mac, especially for the Exchange 15 content. Uh, but TechEd has still got a, a lot to offer in terms of system center content. And, yeah, uh, that's true. We tend to forget that. Like, oh, yeah, there's, hyper, there's only a whole, a whole Hyperbeat, you know, 2012 thing and stuff. And it's in server 2012. But, yeah, it's like, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to get my off. I can <laughs> I'm also going to check uh, at Europe, so uh, so that that that's that's cool, and, and and it's not for the exchange content, but all the other content, because I know 
uh, it was even last year that that most of the content that they, that they had was uh, well only the level 400 uh, sessions were uh, for for me interesting. And I know a lot of guys and girls want want that content, but um, I'm probably going to to uh, look at. Uh, some some uh, link and uh, obviously 65 and and perhaps even some Windows Phone 7 development session or something like that. Just are you going to put it to, to Japs uh, Exchange Load Balancing session? I think I will. Yeah, and ask some really really nasty questions or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> Is he presenting that one in uh, in uh, Europe? Uh, yeah, yeah, and he, he did the same session in uh, North America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was with a customer who's going to Tech Edge Europe uh, earlier this week, and we spent half the day talking about load balancing. So yeah, I think he's really going to enjoy that session, uh, as well as all the system center stuff. Because that, you know, if you're looking after multiple technologies, then you you are going to be very interested, especially uh, in in Hyper-V and the, the new VMM products. Uh, we we were working on a, a showcase on VMM 2012 a few weeks ago, and it is really really good. Uh, so uh, there's uh, going to be a lot of great stuff uh, at Europe for, for people to, to see and, and get some hands-on, really, and, uh, and talk to the, the product teams about you know, what, why they can move from VMware onto those products. But uh, for, for guys like us, you, you're all going to Mech, and I'm not, and I'm wishing I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll miss you. We really yes. wish you there. <laughs> there better be we'll one keep, next we'll year. We'll keep you posters. We'll, we'll keep you posters, definitely. Yes. I'll, I'll be there virtually. There's got to be lots of tweeting, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm actually very looking forward to, as you said, not only for the technical content, because obviously they'll be talking about Exchange 15. Yeah. Hooray. Um, but most of all, I get to meet some people that I've known through the internet, through Twitter, some of you guys, because yeah. obviously I know you through, well, no, I uh, know you through Twitter, but okay, chance to meet up, talk. Uh, talk chains, talk geeky stuff, but really get to know the faces behind and uh, yeah. the social aspects of talking to the product team is something I really look forward to. Oh yeah, that's most definitely. Yeah, and you really don't know somebody until you go drinking with them, so that's that's always <laughs> <perfect>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's kind of the point. But uh, you know, I went to the exchange with the airlift in February and. Uh, three out of the four guys that were in my exchange rotation uh, for MCM, you know, we've become good friends over the years, and um, you know, it's, it's sort of like a reunion in part in parts too. So you know, it's always it's always a, a fun part of these things. I think when you know somebody, I've been a tech ed, but I didn't know anybody that no one to hang out with, and it's like the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you go back to your hotel room every night, and I'm gonna watch the keynote again. Woo -hoo, you know. <laughs> I, I remember uh, that was uh, tech ed in Barcelona. Tickets Europe in Barcelona a few years back, and I watched with uh, some, uh, I, I don't know their names anymore, but uh, some Microsoft employees um, from the Windows Server Group, I think, and uh, we were watching the uh, presidential election at that time. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what one thing you, you don't want to talk about is politics with Americans. That's what I find. Yeah, yeah, I, I, look, I, look, I look at my <laughs> Facebook feed and I just see, oh my God. You know, so, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not going to say anything now, but, you know, people have different political views and they're very passionate yeah, I was about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
So yeah, so that's what I mean. You don't, you just don't talk about it because no, we, we could be, better talk about Microsoft and Google and stuff. <laughs> oh, we can, oh, we can talk about Google. That's what we're going to do. I was going to, I was going to stick the video on and wear my Google T-shirt tonight, uh, just for John, because I, I know how much he loves Google. You know how much I love Google and Android. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Exchange Fifteen, uh, a few of us on this uh, know a, a bit more than they can talk about, but Dave doesn't. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, right. Yeah, you're laughing. And thus, and thus can talk freely because he, yeah. he's got nothing to, to break. Yeah. No, I, I haven't signed any uh, non-disclosure agreement and I didn't hear anything from the directly from somebody who has a non-disclosure agreement, so it's just... Uh, so you're talking third hand after fourth hand after fifth hand. <laughs> yeah. So you can't yeah, go wrong you heard on the internet, which are quite a bit of, I've got to tell you. Uh, there's a lot more stuff being leaked than I would expect, but, but it is what it is, you know? Well, I, I, the, 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 the most important thing uh, is, of course, the name. And, uh, well, I think we can, can confidently say it's going to be exchanged uh, 2013. Uh, we, uh, something the other day uh, about uh, some screenshots where it was Outlook 2013. Yeah, there was the Office uh, Office 2013 uh, a technical preview or something in a, in a screenshot. Yeah. Uh, but but early this year we already saw a SharePoint Server uh, 2013 uh, screenshot. So um, yeah, and also the the, the launch date, uh, the expected launch date is in 2013. So. It, it, it kind of makes sense that it's going to be 2013, although the number 13 tends to uh, scare uh, some people <laughs> off. But, <laughs> but, well, that, uh, that's what got me, because, the, you know, they skipped 13 with the version numbers. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then, really, they're going to go for... Uh, but this is this isn't the just 13. It's 2013, so that could be just enough distinction uh, to let that through or something like that. But um, so I, I'm 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 uh, I'm I, I, I want to put a bet down that that it's going to be 2013. So yeah, but that that's just the name, and this uh, doesn't tell you anything about functionality. Um, uh, another thing is that what we probably uh, know for sure is public folder support. Uh, I think that when they released uh, 2007, they, uh, Microsoft said that they would support uh, public folders for another 10 years. So I would expect that that uh, will be present, but uh, as in 20, uh, 2010, uh, well, you know, not something to be very happy about or, uh, from a management standpoint. You know, I was at a customer yesterday, and they had a, a not a big company, quite a, well, not not small either, uh, but they had a 718 gig public folder database that yeah. uh, was on the way out. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I thought... 2003. I've had uh, indeed a customer with... Uh, well, multiple gigabytes uh, and, and possibly even terabytes, but I'm not sure anymore. But um, yeah, uh, so that that's a functionality for legacy purposes that probably will uh, be retained. But uh, I'm guessing it's it's uh, yeah the last version of Exchange that will uh, have it. Um, 
Anyway, I think I think that I will uh, be retained. But uh, I think, uh, like all of you, I, I always um, suggest to phase out the public folders uh, when 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 a company is going from 2003 to to uh, 2010 um, and uh, is is uh, going to office. Uh, 2010, so that they don't need public folders anymore for the functionality of Outlook. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really pushing to, to phase them out already. So Yeah, uh, a big use of public folders, it, it limits your options to change mm. online as, as well. It, it is. Sure. I, I've, seen, I've seen companies build huge workflows. You know, back in 2003, you had that CDO for workflow for exchange. Mm. You could do really great stuff with it, and they built such large things on top of the public folders that they just can't take it out anymore. There, there was a time when there were, there were companies that their core business was selling stuff on top of public folders, like CRM yeah. systems. Yeah. Well, I, I, it seems I like a, a lifetime ago. But I had a customer with a dot com that had a bunch of different uh, properties and they used public folder rules. They had about 7,000 public folder rules that would fire off different things depending on, you know, uh, something at company.com came with the internet, boom, it would fire off, and, and it was just like this rat's nest of, of rules that I went to folders, and then those folders had rules that went somewhere else, and it was, you know, but that was part of the workflow, and, and you can't just kind of remove that, you know. Oh, well, that, that was the motivation for the 10 year support statement from uh, Microsoft, obviously. And, uh, well, that, that, I know that a lot of customers were re really happy with that, but still. And my personal opinion is that uh, I want them out as soon as possible. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the answer, for a while, the default answer was going to be, okay, well, just, you send all that content to SharePoint, but A, it didn't work out so well because not everything in SharePoint lent itself for every, you know, scenario of what you're using a folder for, and B, it's still another product. It's hard to say, you know, Microsoft sometimes gets get backed in the corner by saying, oh, if you only had this product, um, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. Fine. it's like, well, a lot of customers don't want to hear that. Uh, you know, an example I have right now is, um, you know, we have, um, uh, I have a really large customer uh, that I'm working for uh, that's on 365 Dedicated. And, you know, in that space, um, you know, things are different than the shared space or certainly on-prem. But one issue we have right now is, is with the link client, they don't have Outlook anywhere exposed uh, to the outside. So if you, so we're just turning on Link Edge, right? So you can be, you know, at home, I am in through Link, but if you leave that endpoint plugged in, because Outlook's not, not available, um, IM conversation history is not available. So you have these scenarios where literally your know, IMs are piling up on a, on a client. Um, you don't see them, but the, the Microsoft default the backup to that would be, well, that should go to conversation history, and then you would get that via email. But since that is broken in that workflow, you know, it's sort of like they're saying, well, you have to have Outlook. Well, you know, we don't have Outlook <laughs> in that scenario, and that's one of the problems when you, you know, have to rely on another product space to get that, you know, component through, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, we had uh, the name, we had uh, public folders. Um, so now it's, uh, for me at least, uh, a lot of conjecture. Um, the That's what we like. Yeah. I'm going to uh, mention some of the uh, features I uh, found interesting that were uh, posted by, uh, uh, in one article, uh, Mary Jo Foley, uh, we probably all know her, um, uh, one thing was um, uh, offline Outlook web app, which uh, in combination with IE10. Offline? I, it's just, that just sounds wrong. 
I find it very curious because, um, uh, especially the IA10 is in, in, in Windows 8, and in Windows 8 already has ActiveSync, so... There's like too many options. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, install Outlook, don't install Outlook. You know, you well, yeah. and again, you know, it might be safe to say, to think of, of, of uh, Outlook Web App not just being the browser. So think of other platforms where you might have a dedicated application that is, you know, for OA, but maybe it's not a browser, if that makes sense, and I'm being very... <laughs> uh, but, but still, yeah, but we don't know what, what's in, um, uh, in the web app in 2013, so perhaps, uh, you know, perhaps it, it could uh, replace Outlook as a client, or as a full-fat client, but um, still, I'm not so sure. Some other things, um, well, probably integrating some uh, search uh, technology across all uh, office um, 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 lines, uh, uh, products, do not really see the, the, the immediate benefit. Does anybody have uh, something to say about that? So the idea is you're going to SharePoint search and find your emails. I don't spend a lot of time searching SharePoint libraries, to be honest. Uh, no. I, I want to find stuff in my email, uh, but perhaps I'm biased. <laughs> um, uh, I can uh, I can see I can see the point if you're a big SharePoint user. So what we got uh, more? Um, let's look at my own blog about that. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's probably safe to say that you'll see more interaction between the products. That's pretty safe. Yeah, that, that's pretty clear. That, 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 that you want probably be. be uh, do people want more interaction between the products? That's the question. It's always something I was alluding to before. I mean, that's, you know, that's always been sort of the Achilles heel you know, sometimes where it's like, yeah, if you buy the entire stack, you get all this functionality. And the functionality is amazing, right? I mean, it all works together uh, yeah. and does stuff that nobody can touch. But, you know, if you're not writing the checks, it's easy to, <laughs> it's easy to sell. Yeah, you just buy all this stuff. It's good, right? Well, if it's easy and quick and cheap to implement, and it's not going to take, you know, Three, three months or something like that to put all the pieces in properly, then then maybe you know if you if you can put it in as a proposal where the the biggest cost is going to be the licensing, but it's going to be something that's realistic for a, a lot of customers to actually be able to get all the good benefits out of it, then I, I can see it being quite compelling. But if it's going to be uh, uh, very complicated to set up, very hard to upgrade, and the the interlinks are going to be very fragile between the products, then perhaps not so much. Right. And it's always that uh, issue, too, where it's like, you know, the, the good bits will be when you outlook, you know, when you, you have to be on Outlook 15 to get all of this stuff. That, that always makes customers kind of cringe because, you know, desktop refreshes are a way different cycle than uh, an office, you know, that's why I would consider part of a, an off, you know, a desktop the office upgrade uh, refresh. That's in a whole different cycle than the back end, you know, so... Yeah. It's always it's always rough when you say, well, yeah, you can have all this cool functionality only if you upgrade all your your outlet lines, you know. Uh, that 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 this, that discussion is uh, is actually the same. Uh, uh, we all probably had with the on an archive uh, functionality and retention tags in uh, uh, Exchange 2010, but uh, with limited uh, availability and uh, of limited functionality in up 2007. Yeah, so, though, yeah, at least they brought it into the product, which you know is, is admirable. Yeah, and, that that's for sure. Yeah, and you can. How often do you need to change your your retention tags? If, you know, you can go into OWA and do it. So, it's it, it's a stopgap sort of solution. I, I I had one customer uh, that 
uh, if the functionality wasn't in Outlook uh, 2007, uh, they wouldn't have chosen for uh, the online archive uh, of uh, Exchange 2010, and possibly another solution, but, but well, I can't predict that. But um, yeah, the, the 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 cycles of the Office products and and the server products uh, that. It's nice that they are now um, um, almost uh, simultaneous, but yeah, well, it, it, even if a customer has uh, uh, software assurance, uh, just like John said, um, um, I, see, I see a lot of hesitation to uh, do all, all things at once. It's not just upgrading it to integrate with the, the Office products. There's all sorts of different third-party vendor products with Excel add-ins, BBA bits, that yeah. people have to consider, and it can cost a lot to, to make sure it works with your finance system and things like that. One thing that could hold back an upgrade to the latest version of Office, whether or not you paid for it, is the fact you might have to spend a million pounds upgrading a bunch of other key systems that have deep ties into Office products uh, just to get Office upgraded. And that's something that, uh, it's, it's, would you expect Microsoft to even in deal with that? Uh, Issue, uh, but at well, least poss well, possibly they 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 did that in Office 15 because I read something that um, it has the a sort of uh, application streaming uh, capability built in so that you can, for instance, run Outlook 2010 and Outlook 15 or 2013 next to each other, which wasn't possible uh, with all previous versions of uh, of Outlook. So like an outlook package type thing, almost like. A XP that, that's what I understand, uh, did understand about something I read out there, uh, a blog post, I think. Um, um, and, well, that seems to seem to mean like they are trying to make the deployment of Office a lot more easier so that um, that that issue we had we talked about, about the, the back-end and the front-end uh, of your environment in, uh, when, uh, to, to migrate both of them at the same time can be a lot of strain, but if Office uh, 15 can uh, be streamed out of the box uh, and, and run next to the older clients, of Outlook, well, perhaps that um, could be uh, for for some customers an, an, an ideal situation. Before I can interfere, um, I don't know if that's such a good thing because uh, running two Outlook versions on, on, on one computer, even if it doesn't put any loads that aside, but you're, you're still running two different versions, and, and for a regular end user, and one RT where you know the 90% of the users out there, sorry for them. Um, it's, it's confusing. Uh, they should use the new Outlook uh, normally, but if they want to use that plugin, they need to go to the other one. So they, they'll be switching between two versions, and I can imagine that's not something you would want to, to do either. So well, what's the OSP nice support going to be like if that happens? One of these is uh, MacBook Air or something like that, very small SSD drive. Uh, a 5-gig mailbox is going to take a, quite a big chunk, especially if that's yeah, two of, uh, to have two different Outlook clients. That doesn't sound like it's, it's something that's going to fly. Yeah, no, okay. Oh, well, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. um, well, another thing that was, uh, that was uh, Paul Cunningham did a blog post about that. Uh, that's the end of the edge transport server role of Exchange, uh, well, present in uh, Exchange 20, uh, 27. Uh, 2007 and 2010, 
Um, and that's actually from, I think, the general manager from, uh, yeah, general manager exchange server, Kevin Allison, uh, hinted to that. But it might be possible that that role wouldn't uh, exist anymore. I'm, I'm not sure if he meant uh, with Exchange 2013 or our next version, but whether the, the Edge Transport server is present or not, I uh, actually don't really care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds... The situation I have is, uh, uh, I've encountered is, when you have a, a fully greenfield environment, um, yeah, then the edge transport server role is, is, something, is something that is chosen, especially if, um, if the licensing agreement is very uh, favorable, um, uh, for instance, for educational institutions and something like that. So that uh, it doesn't cost a lot of more money to implement an exchange server with forefront uh, uh, protection on it instead of buying a fully uh, third-party product like Ironport or, or something like that. But the uh, thing is, if they're going to go and uh, you know buy enterprise cows for exchange, then they could just have forefront online protection for exchange. But, yeah, but that, that's the other. So well, not 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 every customer that has that, and uh, so but but I, I see well the the, the greenfield situations I see uh, that that uh, the, the the edge transport server is implemented, but in uh, in cases when uh, one already has a cleaning solution, whether it is on premises or in the cloud, uh, now. It, there's no need for the edge transport server, so uh, no, no, even need to mention it anymore. So if that role um, uh, is, is is discontinued, um, I don't think many many customers will be uh, broken up about that. Well, unless you have one deployed, of course, <laughs> uh, and or really like it. I mean, yeah, we, I yeah. Mean, there's, there's always been this constant back and forth about that role. Because, I mean, I think it's an outstanding role, and I think it's better than, than some third-party products anyway, but it's always been that thing where, well, you know, a couple things always been against it, the typical, well, it's a Microsoft server, so, we, you know, we don't trust Microsoft servers on the edge, blah, blah, blah. Mm, yeah. And that was always in one death sentence for at least in my experiences. Um, but, uh, you know, and there's obviously perceived kind of complexity to it as well. You know, it's not as simple as a simple just gateway just sits there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it's obviously... You know, uh, in a world where, yeah, everyone's got, you know, uh, uh, an appliance, you know, so there was, you know, first the age of the appliance kind of killed it, or, you know, lessened the need for it. Yeah. Um, and now we're in the age of uh, hosted, uh, you know, uh, hygiene and copy and stuff like that. So, you know, it's like, well, how many, what are, what are the use cases for an on-prem uh, uh, gateway like that anymore? And it's starting to become smaller and smaller, I think. But Well, so it would be cool if, if they had that cloud integration, so instead of having to have, uh, another uh, sync sort of instance uh, to sync to Fopi. It uh, had the functionality built in, so you can set up a relationship with online scanning there within the product. Right. Or if it did, like you know, some way better transport logic than standard hub transport um, to give you know companies and say migrations, you know, so maybe some sort of third sync. You know, and it, the things that are way above and beyond what a simple just mail router kind of does. Um, it might still be. I mean, you know, but things like that being said, things like domain secure. I mean, that's awesome. You know, that's great stuff. But again, you know, it works with Outlook, and I think it's certain versions of Outlook. So there's a lot of you know pieces there to get that that even working. Um, which a lot of companies go, well, yeah, it's nice to have, but would I want to spend that kind of resource to get that all functional? You know. 
Well, for, for all other um, observations, um, I suggest the, for coming under the uh, blog post observations, what to expect from Exchange 15, uh, written uh, April 27, yeah, uh, this year. If you Google for Exchange Server Pro, Exchange 15, you'll find yeah. that post very quickly. It's, it's, it's a very good post. and uh, good thing for it, too. So, uh, next to the blog post of Paul Cunningham, I wanted to uh, talk about some, some features I would like to see in the next version of Exchange. And they were probably mostly uh, user-focused, but, well, end-users use the product, and, yeah, that they are essentially the most important uh, persons, uh, actually. Um, one of the things I uh, uh, always hear is uh, is about signatures. Can we deploy central signatures? Can we um, uh, automate it or, 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 or enforce it? And, and, and that was especially when the transport rules uh, were introduced in 2007. The first thing uh, people did was, hey, can we make uh, can we make a signature? Well. Yeah, that wasn't really possible. Like, like the exclaimer product does, uh, you know, proper yeah, yeah. template driven. Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, and even with 2010, with the Ecodirect directory uh, um, variables you can implement in the transport rule, still that uh, uh, the user doesn't see what what gets gets sent out. Um, so, just like the the the, um, uh, the nicknames that were previously stored in an NK2 file uh, in Outlook and now uh, stored in the mailbox of the user, I would like to see that the signature is also uh, some somehow stored into uh, the mailbox and uh, so that Outlook Web App and uh, Outlook uh, the client itself and uh, perhaps even uh, ActiveSync. But that uh, would be use that. absolutely fantastic feature, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, and, and even the, because um, uh, the, the nicknames were, were something um, I, a colleague of mine actually had to take effort in, into migrating before it was implemented in 2010 into the mailbox. Uh, so we were very happy with that, but still the signature are still uh, profile uh, bound uh, as it were so uh, just like the nicknames were so if that, that would be pull that out. even if it wasn't as good as the exclaimer products and because uh, you know you, you yeah. know, there's still a room in the market for those even if the, this feature was here even if, if it's if basic via powershell yeah uh, that would be fantastic because you could build your own powershell scripts on top of it uh, yeah. <laughs> even just as you say, uh, just storing it somewhere in the mailbox, end user still manages it. It's just uh, roaming signatures would still be uh, a big, big improvement. That that would be one feature that would probably for for some third-party companies uh, let, uh, uh, less good news, but that the basic functionality is enough. They uh, a company doesn't want to buy the third-party product for disclaimers any of uh, sorry signatures anymore, and uh, is willing to uh, implement Exchange 15 with Apple 15 if this feature is implemented.
We had archiving in Exchange 2010. Symantec is still in business, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's normal yeah. because if you take a look at archiving, which is a different ballgame, obviously, um, yeah. the personal archives, even the online archives or hosted archives, it's a basic solution. You've got some basic stuff to do with it. If you yeah. take a comparison to, to Enterprise Vault, it's, it's huge. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's enormous, but you can do a lot of great things with it. But what I dislike about Enterprise Vault, I'm sorry about that, but it's, if you have to set it up, you don't set it up as a personal archive because personal archives are easy um, compared to Enterprise Vault. Um, so that's that's something that if you would have the signatures in in Exchange, um, that would be really, uh, as you said, that would be terrific because you don't have to set up a different server or you don't have to install that on top of your web transport servers. Hell, I've even seen people in Office 365 maintain an on-premise server to re- reroute their emails from the Office 365 clouds through their on-prem environments to book a signature on it before sending it out. So, <laughs> hell, that would be great having something like that. Yeah, uh, and I get that question of a lot of times. And well, now uh, I mostly use Exclaimer or, or products like that. But uh, built-in, oh, that would be awesome. And even if it's basic, the most companies just uh, have a static uh, signature, uh, but want to enforce it in some way. And that if that um, if that new feature, if it were impl- implemented, uh, yeah, if it could do that, I would be very happy. And I think a lot of customers will, would be too. So, is this a feature you've heard about, or no, no, no? It's something I, I, I out in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's something I, I personally invented. So take this away as <laughs> I think I think to have a new feature. <laughs> I think you have to paint it or something. Yeah, maybe the product team will listen. If someone from the product team is listening, this is a feature request, guys. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, 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 you can put in something, uh, and, and maybe for service pack one. <laughs> <laughs> And well, perhaps an update roll-up, uh, since there are mini service packs nowadays. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, come on, they are just fixes. We can pour gasoline on it. Well, I just keep, like to keep things interesting. No, really, uh, you're right, it are just fixes in update roll-ups. I totally agree there. So, we've heard about Exchange 15, <laughs> what may or may not go into it, uh, and what's just in Dave's head. Uh, <laughs> so, apart from Exchange 15 and Update Rollup 3, John, what have you been blogging about this week? Uh, what have you found good on the net? Well, like I said, mostly the biggest things we've got to see is other than Apple news, of course, but that's a different podcast altogether. Um, as uh, you know, Tech, tech at uh, uh, North America has been going on. There's a lot of good content on the UC stuff, on the presentations. Um, a couple I'd like to point out. Um, I, I don't know. I, I've never looked at the material for for Tech in Europe. Do they follow the same uh, module, uh, you know, presentation numbers? Yeah. Similar, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so EX uh, 317 and 318 uh, both center around Lake Voice. I think uh, there's some really good stuff in these um, that people should check out. Um, uh, some of the presenters I know from my uh, link rotation uh, from MCM. Um, and one of them now actually works for Brian Nice, works for uh, Microsoft and the uh, ECOE for voice, um, uh, you know, kind of going through QoS and uh, and uh, network quality, uh, things of that nature. Um, so definitely, you know, 
people should check that out. And I believe there's going to be a counterpart to those in as well. And um, also, uh, Mr. Gillies, um, uh, Robert Gillies, if people are not familiar with him, is uh, MCA and I think he holds more exchange certifications than any human being on the planet right now. Um, he gave some good uh, info on site resiliency uh, as well. Um, in the past, I know that uh, Ross Smith had given um, similar ones, and uh, uh, definitely those are worth worth look, uh, reviewing as well. So you, you don't think it's going to be all, uh, more of the same, uh, the same sort of stuff we've heard for that, the last couple of years? Uh, Tony Redmond wasn't uh, particularly glowing when he was blogging about Ticket uh, and exchange sessions. Well, you know, I mean, I, there's been a lot of things he's been saying like, that's been interesting. Um, and he's certainly highly respected, you know, I mean, goes back a long, long way of exchange. And, uh, you know, I mean, the presentations are, uh, it's hard with these, I think, uh, you know, being, being sitting through them um, and, you know, and he kind of, I guess, knowing the guys that, that do the, the content, uh, you know, the, the peg, you know, when, when they have the, the structures of, you know, 100 through 400, uh, you know, really focusing on the content to that group. Um, sometimes it's hard to, if you just say it's going to be a 400 level content, there might be guys that go into the, the, the session that don't really have the one to 300, so they're kind of lost. But so do you spend time, it's always the, the trouble, do you spend time kind of giving the background to that, um, you know, to make it make sense, you know. So sometimes I could see people going, well, uh, you know, this, there's been a lot of lack of clarity uh, in a presentation because you don't have that kind of background. Uh, and the other thing with these sessions, uh, they're not the same sessions that happened last year. And if you're going to look at these tech sessions and go, right, this is what I'm going to be doing for my project that I'm doing in a couple of months' time, you don't want to be using last year's advice that's pre-Service Pack 2 or was based on uh, on what might be in Service Pack 2. You want to make sure that it's up to the minute, uh, top-notch, and best advice as well. Right, yeah, and, and, and about the you know, cycles of the product, too. Obviously, if there's no major changes... Uh, you are end up going to end up giving the same, you know, content more or less because nothing's changed. You know, the, the, the resiliency picture is the same because the product's the same. You know, unless they change something in the first pack um, or made some changes like with Party 3. So, you know, by the nature of it, it's going to be static if the product's not really changing too. So it's always a, uh, an issue. And then, you know, things do change. I mean, they you know, these products evolve and the guidance evolves because the product, you know, has more, uh, you know, acceptance and, and use. You know, so the big uh sessions are, there's more, you know, background on that now because when we were deploying the boys, so they didn't uh, think about initially or were, didn't run across, you know, as more clients deploy, if they come across issues where these are deal breakers. Uh, there was a deep dive on, on that linkage um, this year, um, which are somewhat a rehash, also, you know, changing guidance. Uh, you know, things change along those lines as well. So apart from taking, you know, what, what else have we, uh, have we got out there? Uh, one thing I saw was uh, from Matt Landis, this uh, Link Select Dial app. Link dialing enabled from any application. Oh, that, that one was cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's definitely something I want to have installed. Uh, yeah. And it's the, the next in, in what seems to be a growing long line of essential Link add-ins from Matt as well. Yeah, he's, he's uh, doing a great job. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely uh, really sort of, I think, you know, kind of cutting edge on some of these things. And, and that's one of those things about Link that's really, really cool. So that's about all with the, the news anyway this week, John. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, like I said, the biggest news in tech is, but, you know, uh, as these uh, the one-offs things come up, that's definitely one of the things that, you know, we definitely think we should advertise people to because we take it for granted that we all are watching Twitter 24-7 like I know I am. So some of these <laughs> yeah, things do get lost in the stream. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, these things get lost in the stream, so you never know. Like, you just assume people have heard of this stuff, but there's always yeah. something you haven't heard of, so it's good to bring these out to them. Well, if you if you want to make sure you don't miss any of it, subscribe to John's blog because it is good. Uh, because even if you've got a, a set of bloggers that you always listen to, they're, they're not going to see everything either. And uh, John sees everything. He reads every single tweet uh, about Exchange and Link. <laughs> well, at least it seems that way. <laughs> well, I have a lot of machines going up at all times, so yeah, the Twitter is constantly I scrolling in. I think with this podcast, you were the first person to reply as well, to go, yeah, <laughs> I, I want to be on the podcast, <laughs> uh, which didn't come as much of a surprise. I'm sure if I tweet anything about Google or Android, you'll be there, <laughs> like, straight there, like, uh, get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I also, I, actually, I was surprised, I actually, I guess I didn't have Twitter in the foreground, but I'm sure there's some, some Google stuff, I, or Android stuff I could have you know, been snarky about, well, so <laughs> I'm going to have to go back in, uh, back an hour. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I think that's going to be about that, about it for the first podcast. Uh, so uh, in the next few weeks, we're going to have MVPs uh, for Exchange and Link, uh, especially uh, as stuff starts to get out from NDA uh, about Exchange and Link. We're going to have uh, some of these MVPs who've got real hands-on knowledge uh, with Exchange 15 and Link 15 come on the podcast and actually talk about the features that are really going to be in the product. And as things progress, we'll have a, a few more deep dives. So what you should expect is uh, deep dives on all these new little features because uh, just like in Exchange 2010 where there were new concepts like the client access array, the, there's going to be that same kind of thing. Uh, and it's going to be worth listening to future podcasts so you can get to understand these features well in advance. So I'd like to thank everyone for joining me today. Uh, thank you, Dave. Thank you, John. Michael. Thank you, Michael, Sirka. And uh, we will be speaking uh, again in a few weeks' time. Thank you very much, guys. Goodbye.